0: Welcome to Reclaiming Hope. I'm your host, Ben Hamilton, here with my co-host, Brendan Newton. Hello, everybody. Hey, welcome to 2021. It's wild. Yeah, it is. It is wild. We made it. (laughs) If you're listening, you made it. So we just want to congratulate you (laughs) Um, because last year was certainly a marathon. And we're not ignorant of the fact that, you know, we started a new year basically in a lot of the same places that Mm -hmm. we've been. Um, just some of the hard things that have been exposed, revealed, just continue to Mm -hmm. exist and be present. And they
1: didn't go away with the strike of midnight. Yeah. Unfortunately, (laughs) turning of the
0: calendar page didn't make everything disappear. Mm -hmm. Um, and so with that, just, we feel a renewed, just, I think, passion to just continue to engage this conversation around hope and Mm -hmm. reclaiming hope and finding hope in seemingly hopeless situations and stories. And so we're just excited to be back at it and um, and to welcome you all back. So uh, we want to start this uh, year by um, exploring a a new topic and a new story. Um, And Brenda, this is really, this is your story. And Mm -hmm. I know it may be the story of a lot of our um, listeners as well. So uh, we want to have a conversation and Brenda's going to share her story about a journey with depression yes and so yeah brenda just thank you for just your your willingness and your vulnerability here i know it's going to serve um all of us well so Yeah, just kind of kick us off, just um, Mm -hmm. wherever you want to jump into that story to kind of um, begin to unpack that for us.
1: Absolutely. Well, um, before I jump into my story, I just kind of wanted to preface, um, I am a licensed uh, mental health professional in the state of Nebraska, and I am a professional Christian. I work for a church. (laughs) Um, But but today, as I share my story, I am not speaking from either of those um, platforms or those places. I am... A woman who loves Jesus, and Mm. I struggle with depression. But at the same time, because I'm a licensed professional, um, I just wanted to put out this little disclaimer to anyone who's listening. If you are relating to things that I'm saying, um, if you struggle with depression yourself, if you have suicidal thoughts coming up yourself, please mm. do not try to figure it out on your own. Please do not try to pull yourself out of this on your own. Please yeah. reach out to a professional, reach out to loved ones, reach out to others for that support right. um, because you are not designed to do it on your own.
0: Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Appreciate that kind of disclaimer up front because mm-hmm. we know we are talking about some, yeah, some pretty, pretty raw things that, um, have varying degrees of uh, of impact mm-hmm. and implications and, so, and severity uh, yeah. and severity yes yeah. absolutely, so good word at the outset, so yeah, so kind of um Brendan, so when did this journey begin for you, and mm-hmm. what did that look like
1: yeah, so when I really started to recognize something was wrong, um something was not normal, so to speak, mm-hmm. um I would say it was probably at the start of my freshman year of college. So um, in high school, I had been in a pretty serious relationship with um, a guy who, I mean, it was a long-term relationship. We spent most of high school in this relationship mm-hmm. together. And um, we know that the teen years are identity forming years. That's yeah, when much, we yeah. start to figure out who am I and mm-hmm. you know, all of the identity formation really begins at that. What is my life about? Right. 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 And so I essentially, in this relationship with this man, had built my identity around him. Hmm. And it was a couple months before graduating high school that he left. And I mean, we, we were planning, I was planning on marrying this man. I was so sure that was my future. It was with this man. And who I was, was My identity was attached to him Mm -hmm. um, and every every possible dream I had for the rest of my life involved him. And so when I was 18 years old and he left, my whole worldview kind of crumbled and even my sense of self was disrupted. Like there was just this disorientation. Of I don't even know who I am anymore. Yeah. And so not only was I experiencing that disorientation and that major life transition, um, but then I moved to college, which is another major life transition. Mm. And it as humbling as it is to say, it was just too much for me. And that's when I started noticing um, I just I just feel different. I don't know mm. i I just felt. I couldn't put words to it at the time, but there was just this weight on my shoulders that made me feel like I was moving slower and, um, just not able to, I I just, I could, I was starting to recognize I wasn't fully functioning. Hmm. And it was probably middle of my first semester, um, of college that I started noticing I'm having thoughts of wanting to not be alive anymore I am wanting to be dead um, suicidal ideation and it it scared me I was recognizing these thoughts like I, I worked at a daycare that year and as I would drive to work I would remember or I, I would just have these intrusive thoughts of okay there's a semi coming toward me I want to swerve in front of it and just be done I just yeah. I just want to be done And I remember being so scared by those thoughts, realizing like I I am experiencing these thoughts intruding my mind, but I don't like that. I don't know that Mm -hmm. I want those thoughts to be there. And so I started calling my mom excessively Mm -hmm. um, whenever those thoughts were coming up. Um, I'm so grateful for my mom because she always answered her phone, even though she is working full time. She always answered and just listen to me. And as I would just say, I'm scared and I don't want to be here. And I'm having these thoughts of wanting to kill myself. And I I don't think I want to do that, but at the same time, I kind of do. And so it was kind of this scary, um, I, I felt disconnected from myself even, um, I mean, I knew I was so loved. There are so many people who just enjoyed me and they made it clear we we enjoy you, but I just felt this disgust and this like, it was just a grossness of I'm not lovable and I'm not wanted and I don't know who I am and I just, I should just not exist anymore. I should stop taking up valuable air from other people and I should just end it all. And I have wrestled with those thoughts. And so freshman year of college, this is when it really came to a head where I'm having suicidal thoughts, um, battling myself on even wanting to exist anymore. And my mom finally was like, you know, you should probably see a professional for this because I like she was so willing to listen and was so gracious to me in that. Mm. Um, But she also realized this was maybe a little bit bigger than what she could handle. And so she set me up with an appointment um, with one of our school therapists. And I didn't connect with the guy at all. It was a counselor that I mean, I'm sure he's great at his job, but it was just one of those, like, we don't connect. And so I felt like it was pointless to go see him. But through him, I started to recognize, okay, this is related to depression. And I do have um, a mental illness Hmm. occurring right now.
0: Yeah. And what was that realization like? Like, did that, was there any sense of relief or hope in even just acknowledging that? Or was it still just kind of? dark.
1: Yeah, it was it was still dark and I just I think ultimately realizing that it was a shameful experience for me where yeah. I was like, shoot, see I really am messed up. I really am unlovable. Hmm. I really am too messy to be wanted or loved. Um so just kind of it was a moment where it solidified some of the beliefs I was battling. Yeah. Um and yeah, so that that was a hard season for sure yeah. um mm. but i would also say so with any illness like there are good days and bad days there are seasons of where, where it's better or where it's worse and this was definitely one of those seasons where it was in the worst um that was probably the worst my depression has maybe ever been that was like my first major episode yeah. of depression um but now like over a decade later, I still battle this. Mm. But um, now I would say my experience is, the way that I describe it now is, it feels like wearing a straight jacket. Like I'm trying to do life and live my life with a straight jacket on. When those depressive episodes come up, um, it's like I, I can see the world is still moving. I can see loved ones around me. And I've used the example of, it's like a friend trying to hand me a cup of coffee and mm. I want to receive it, I want to interact and have this cup of coffee with my friend, but my arms are tied up in this straitjacket and I just, I can't.
0: You're restrained from I, a lot of things that bring you joy. Right, yeah. Yeah.
1: right, and so um, I feel like a straitjacket is the best image I have for my experience of depression. Yeah. I know it's different for others, but that's kind of for me. And it also just mm. feels like, um, I know people talk about depression like a dark cloud over your head. And really, like, life just is less vibrant in those episodes of depression. Mm. Um, Even this past year, so 2020, I experienced a lot of stripping away. And kind of like that initial episode, that major episode of depression, it was, it started with a major loss in my life. And so now, like, those are kind of triggering events for me when there's loss Loss, and stripping away in my life. That can often trigger another episode of depression. Not always, but often. And so last year was full of, I mean, the Lord stripped away a lot of my primary support system, Um, family, friends, loved ones, people moving away, people being stripped away from my life. And so there were a lot of simultaneous triggering events that um, did cause another episode of depression and so last year I actually started taking antidepressants Hmm. Um, made the choice to get on some medication because I was doing all the things that I knew I needed I was I was seeking to be in community I was trying to exercise because that helps and I was trying to eat well because that helps like the taking care of my body does impact my mind and so I was doing all the things that normally help in depression but I was still not able to break through it Mm -hmm. and so last summer I got on um, some antidepressants and oh my gosh Ben three days in I remember driving home from work and I noticed the trees are so green like it Mm -hmm. was actually like this veil was removed from my eyes and I could actually see color again and so with that like the dark cloud there was an actual, like physically, like my vision was different in yeah. that episode of depression. I wasn't seeing beauty and the color around me. And that's yeah. another way that I experienced depression, like things yeah. that I love nature. I love being in nature. And yeah. I, I recognize God's presence as I'm out in nature. Yeah. Um, but depression it can kind of be this cloud where I'm blinded to all yeah. of that and yeah. just, yeah. I can't see. And so yeah. that was a really cool last summer receiving not only support from a therapist and um being in community doing all the things I needed to do um but also getting the additional layer of support through medication it totally lifted this veil and mm. helped me in a profound way that it, w- it was kind of a cool moment to recognize this tangible difference of yeah. okay that was depression that um, okay yeah
0: yeah That's so good. Yeah. So depression for you really kind of has this restraining kind of blinding just um, Mm -hmm. uh, effect to the things that bring you joy and just even just being able to behold and be moved by beauty, which I think is, is um, it's tragic, right? Right. But, um, but thank you for putting words to that. I think that's so helpful. Um, You mentioned the loss of just last year. And I I think, you know, even just what COVID did, right? Mm -hmm. I think we all endured loss. I mean, from losses of some, you know, perceived, you know, freedoms and just kind of normal rhythms of life and, right. um, normal habits of gathering and, um, of community and intimacy and all those kinds of things with, even with friends and with, uh, even churches, you know, um, having to go, you know, online. It's a lot of loss mm-hmm. last year. Um, you know, just right. that even COVID brought, and then you compound that with, Anything in your personal life, and it's just right. That's quite a year um, to endure for anyone. So um, right. thank God for Him sustaining you and even bringing Absolutely. these other uh, means of of helping to hold you up and um, mm-hmm. and even remove the veil, as you say, right? Bit, uh, um, so you can breathe and enjoy again. Uh, right. Take us back, if if you would. Um, so thinking of when it was your freshman in college, um, as I don't think we we kind of covered this yet. Um, you're you're a Christian at this time, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And so, um, so in 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 the onset of this most difficult time and season, how did you find your beliefs about God being challenged? Mm. And what did what did that look like for you? Yeah. The yeah. spiritual wrestle.
1: It really was. I mean, I think some people like to reduce depression to simply a spiritual battle. It is so much more than that. It is physical, emotional, relational, and spiritual. Um, So we can get into more of those aspects in a bit. But spiritually, man, I, so because I had built my identity around this man who left me, Mm -hmm. I had so much fear of God's going to leave me too. God's going to abandon me as well. Um, God doesn't actually love me. He doesn't actually want me. I had all of these beliefs of if this man who promised me he was going to be by my side forever, if he didn't keep his promise, then God must not be a promise keeper either. So I had kind of projected my earthly experience on God. And that came with all sorts of lies, all sorts of beliefs. Um, But at the same time, I think it was because of depression because of that battle, just for even the will to live, I think that was such a a sweet space of starting to sink my roots deeper in faith. And, and so while I, I totally view it as this battle for my life, I mean, it really was um, a spiritual battle for my life. But I feel like as it seemed like the enemy was maybe, it seemed like he was winning. Um, I feel like that's when the Lord really revealed himself to me and his love for me in the midst of those darkest days when I literally, all I could do was lay on the floor. Um, Or when I'm driving in my car and battling those thoughts of, I want to swerve in front of this semi, I just want to be done. In those deepest moments of despair and hopelessness, I feel like that's when the Lord started revealing himself to me and um, I started learning to recognize he's listening hmm. and he's got his eyes on me. Um, he, yeah. He's paying attention to me and he's not afraid of my heaviness, my burdens, my depression. Um, he, hmm. He's not repulsed by me. Yeah. Um, and so I think it was even in that space and and the questions that depression was kind of causing me to ask, like, what is the point of being alive? Those questions led me to search for God in a different way than I had before. Yeah. So yeah. I grew up in a Christian home, mm-hmm. um, but I had never really asked those serious, hard questions for myself before. Yeah. So I think it was kind of because of depression, or the Lord used depression to help lead me to a deeper understanding of his purpose is for me his love Mm. for me
0: um a greater truer understanding of really your god-given identity right right? as a a daughter made in the image of god and right and all that is wrapped up in that um yeah so so during that time we we love to talk about and and kind of highlight some of the the instruments of hope Mm -hmm. that um that the Lord uses in these difficult seasons and times and struggles in life to to help kind of uh, yeah re reawaken um, and and give us a greater understanding of mm-hmm. of our hope and and where it is found. So, um, what I know this initial kind of appointment with the counselor and mm-hmm. just kind of that led you on a path and just kind of you began the self exploration and just diving into. Um, your relationship with God and the word, but what are, what are some other things and maybe even people that mm-hmm. God used in this time?
1: Right. Well, I mentioned my mom and just how yeah, she was so available to me um, and she advocated for me to seek help. Yeah. And so my mom was absolutely an instrument that the Lord has used and continues to use Praise in my, yeah. not just my battle with depression, but my whole life, the Lord is working through her. So mm. Love you, mom. (laughs) Um, But additionally, other instruments that that helped me, um, music has been so powerful in my life to Mm -hmm. just I mean, in those days when I was stuck in bed or just struggling to get out of my own head, Mm -hmm. um, struggling to like, I don't even know there's so much chaos and darkness around me. I don't know how to even think right now. Yeah laying in bed and listening to gospel centered music and um, allowing those truths to wash over me. I feel like the Lord used that in such profound ways so many times, so many times yes. to just listen to beautiful music about how he loves me, how he's fighting for me, how he's pursuing me. Yeah. Um, that, that was highly impactful and con- music continues to be highly impactful for me mm-hmm. um, in finding hope. Um, I think art as well just anything that's beautiful like cultivating and admiring engaging in beauty around me so nature too that's a form of art to me like it's creation God's creation Um, making space to go engage that Mm -hmm. even with so with depression a lot of times Um, You just don't even feel pleasure anymore. Like the things that normally bring you joy, Mm -hmm. you just kind of lose that sense of pleasure. And so um, I just, I would make, I was learning how, and I'm still learning how to engage even when I don't feel like I want to, but choosing to engage beauty and engage art and just slow myself down enough to make space to start to look for it again um, is so helpful to just see It's the world is not just a dark cloud in depression. It can feel like that's all it is. It's all negative and bleak and just Mm -hmm. hard. Um, But but seeking out beauty and cultivating it in my own life has been really impactful. And just the people, the friendships that God has provided who have helped me do that, because there are times when I can't do that on my own, when depression is at its worst Um, in my life. I don't have the energy to cultivate beauty but I feel like God has consistently provided friends who help cultivate it around me for me when I'm unable to myself. And so that's been huge. Yeah. Um, But I think, okay, I wanna share one more um, instrument of hope and this was, so his name is Gary and I used to work at a church in Lincoln and Gary was the counseling pastor there. And I was at a point where I knew I was still experiencing depression. This was like later in my college career. I was still battling depression. Um, I was finally at a place where I was like I really, I really do need to seek professional help. My first experience with a counselor was not exciting. Not help. It, it just wasn't good. Um, wasn't Eye what opening, I but not right. Right. Not it wasn't practically helpful. What I you. wanted yeah. it to be. Yeah. And yeah. so. Um, I finally got to a point where I was willing to try it again. Um, it helped that the counseling pastor was someone that was free to meet with. It didn't cost anything to meet with him. So sure. I was like, I have nothing to lose. Mm-hmm. Um, but Gary, man, I his impact on my life is profound. He listened so well and he he entered in to the darkest places of my life mm. um, in a safe way. He was a safe presence for me and he just received me as I was. He so reflected the Father's heart to me um, by just allowing me to come as I was. Um, he helped me um, start to wrestle with my thoughts because with depression, there are so many of those intrusive thoughts or just yeah. um, certain beliefs about ourselves like the I'm unlovable I'm w- unwanted those mm-hmm. are some primary messages that come with my depression and Gary was teaching me how to um, think about my thoughts and how to mm. handle my thoughts not as facts but as as things to just observe and to kind of listen to my thoughts to see what's what's the message underneath that um, mm-hmm. so Gary was kind of teaching me coaching me how do I um, not just allow every intrusive thought to be um, absolute truth in my life, yeah. um, to not give it that power, but to to start to analyze and reflect on what am I thinking? And is it true or is it not? And what what is the truth that I want to cling to? Yeah. So Gary really helped me kind of start to learn. He, he helped me start that process in my life of paying attention to what was going on in my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, And he just embodied that compassionate, loving presence to my pain and to the the things that um, triggered and contributed to my depression. Gary entered into that and offered me kindness in the midst of the places where I felt most unlovable, like going back to that um, initial breakup, my senior year of high school, that was such a painful experience for me that rejection um, that came with so many lies and um, just just the amount of pain that came with it Gary entered into that space and through his compassion through his listening ear through his question asking Mm -hmm. um, helped me to start to grasp God's heart in a new light he, he not only helped me think through it, but he also embodied that, and I got to experience that through him. Um, there was even, it was probably a couple years after, like, we had done a lot of work together. Um, Gary worked with me for a very long time because there was so much to sort through, my goodness. <laughs> um, but I remember it was probably a couple years in of meeting with Gary and there was one day where he just kind of paused. I was dumping all these things out, just unloading and processing with him. And he he paused. He stopped me. And he said, you know, Brenda, I want to say something to you, but it might cross some boundaries. And so if it does, I want you to know, Just you can tell me that that crossed boundaries for you, and I'll step back, and I'll never cross that again but if you're okay with it, I'd like to take this risk and I'd like to say something to you. And at this point he had, we had built trust. I completely trusted this man. Mm. And so I was like, sure, Gary, whatever you want to say, like I'm listening. It's fine. Um, And he said to me, he said, Brenda, I am feeling fatherly towards you. And I'm wondering if you would allow me to speak to you from that place. I'm wondering if you would allow me to speak to you as a father um, who, who loves his daughter I because I see some wounds in your in your life and your heart um, that could just use some fatherly love and affection right now. So would you allow me to enter in? Oh, my gosh, that even just thinking back oh, to that, yeah. I oh that brought so much healing in my life to not only have um, this godly man provide so much care and counsel and just support to me through the years, um, but also to take that risk of potentially crossing a boundary and to enter in as a father, yeah. um, and speak truth to me f- as a father, um, in that moment. And, and from that point on, he continued to speak, um, for the duration that we met, he would continue to speak to me as a father yeah. and he so reflected God, the father, in such a profound and accurate and tangible way that through that experience he he was helping me grasp um, who God is, um, the hope that can be found in Him, yeah. um, because I was struggling with hopelessness in the midst of my depression, and Absolutely. and Gary just embodied this for me. And through sitting in that room with him, uh, that that just helped me to start to grasp it for myself again. And so now Gary and I no longer meet. Um, but because of that relationship, because of that experience with him, because of what he demonstrated and taught me, I now have, I, I feel like that impacted my relationship with the Lord where before Gary, um, I wanted to believe that God was good and he was kind. He was a loving father that he actually cared for me, but I just didn't have a framework for what is, what does that type of care even look like? Yeah. Um, like, sure, scripture talks about he's kind, he's loving, you know, all the, all the things that the Bible says. But I just, I didn't tangibly know how to grasp that or how to experience that. Mm-hmm. But through experiencing that with Gary, I feel like that enabled me to understand how to experience that with God. And so my relationship yeah. with God now, um, I do have this different, this deeper understanding of, he is a loving father. He does care for me. Um, he does have fatherly affection, even in my darkest, grossest, most depressed places. Like yeah. he loves me he and sees you, says
0: Yes. Daughter, you're beautiful, you're yes. love, you're mine.
1: Absolutely. Yes. And Gary just helped me. Gary was a profound instrument of hope in my life that the Lord worked through um hmm. to be able to start to grasp that hope again
0: yeah well praise God for just um all the instruments and Mm -hmm. you you covered so many and I think and I'm so glad you did because I think it speaks to um just the different ways that God can meet us in these places Mm -hmm. um you know both personal and then kind of even these you know I guess we call them impersonal you know from uh more of the the arts and um, Mm -hmm. and and beholding beauty and and all those sorts of things Um, God is so good to just pour out his kindness and affirmation and love Um, but as you say in that place um, when you're going through a season of depression or in that low it can be hard to to behold so to have loved ones around Mm -hmm. you who can help break right. through, lift your eyes, um, cultivate beauty for you, like you said, right. affirm those things which feel um, uh, too far to grasp mm-hmm. because of the depression. That's, um, that is definitely God's love reflected toward you. And that's just, absolutely. Um, so thank you for drawing attention to that. Now we know, um, and you, you, you mentioned kind of the stigma mm-hmm. with, uh, mental health and, yeah. um, and the shame that you felt at the onset of realizing hey i'm actually mm-hmm. I think I actually am wrestling with clinical depression here right. um, you know with the seeing of the first counselor, and so we know there's a stigma right mm-hmm. and um, and there's a stigma often in the church, and right. this is something we don't know yes. how to how to how to talk about or move toward, and it makes a lot of people uncomfortable mm-hmm. uh, how to respond when you encounter someone who Mm -hmm. may be in this place um can you share just some experience just from your side of uh maybe how that's played out a Mm -hmm. couple of times uh just to draw attention to because i think it's important to uh, to highlight how we get this wrong sometimes and Uh just trying to love one (laughs) another through these messy things
1: yeah well so depression um I mean, there are the different aspects of physical, emotional, um, the cognitive distortions that come with depression, um, relationship. Like it, it affects these different aspects of our lives. And there are times when um, people have reduced it to just one of those areas. So like physically, right. um, Brenda, you should just do more. Have you like just get out of bed and go do something exercise? Huh? Right. Why didn't I think of that? What a great idea, right? Like. Yeah. You totally missed the point. I'm literally not (laughs) in bed right now
0: when you're talking to me. (laughs) That's your advice. (laughs) Right? Like,
1: not helpful. Um, Or even, um, I've been told I need to have more faith and just just trust God more. Huh? Like, again, what a novel idea. I wish I had thought of that. (laughs) So much sarcasm. But I I think when, when people can just be super reductionistic with it and say, well, depression must just be a spiritual thing. Depression must just be a physical thing or just, um, you just need to choose different thoughts. You just need to stop feeling sad. Stop mm-hmm. stop feeling bad about yourself and yeah. um, count your blessings. Comments like that are hard.
0: Yeah, and people I think offer those from different places too, yeah. which also makes it complicated to try to sort through them when right. you're on the receiving end because sometimes people just generally aren't aware and they lack a knowledge and an understanding Mm -hmm. and therefore often an empathy. Um, but, but even sometimes there is sympathy there and it's coming from a a good heart and, Mm -hmm. you know, they do love you and you might even be aware of that, but yet they're missing so many of these other things. And so it can feel hurtful even when coming from, so it's, you know, it's different. People can offer those things from a place Mm -hmm. of love and also a place of Kind of condemnation, like right. shame, if we're honest. Right, so, it does feel
1: shaming yeah. oftentimes when yeah. those comments are made or even when um, someone offers you resources. Like, okay, mm-hmm. hang on. For me personally, I have a, a license in counseling. I work at a church. I've gone to seminary. So I have these frameworks. I have tools in my tool belt. And so when people start like, offering unsolicited advice or resources of oh you need to read these books or you need these tools blah 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 like okay my pride is probably showing a little bit right now but Mm. I'm like okay do you know who you're talking to when you're throwing those resources at me I already have resources that's not what I need in my depression and so that's something I've had to learn is how to advocate for myself and ask for what I need. Like I, yeah, I want good. to give others the benefit of the doubt and yeah. trust that they mean well, they really are trying to be helpful. Most um, of the time. Yeah. most, most, <laughs> most of the, the time, time. <laughs> sometimes that's not true, but yeah. most of the time they are trying to help. Um, but I have to be gracious in that and say, you know what? I, I appreciate your efforts, but what I need from you right now is, mm-hmm fill in the blank. Yeah. So I'm learning how to communicate those things. Oftentimes um, it is just, I need, I need a listening ear with depression and all the thoughts that can come with it. Sometimes I just need a safe space where I can pour it out. Yeah. And then most of the time, even just having that space to pour it out, the Holy Spirit it, like exposes and illuminates the lies mm-hmm. just, just in allowing me to speak those things out loud to get them out of my head that's sometimes enough but sometimes i do need help from the from the listener from my friend from whoever Mm -hmm. um to help point out okay well maybe this is a lie maybe this isn't true yeah um so but i mean the the most helpful thing to me has just been that safe space to be heard to listen to process where people will enter in and say i'm not here to fix you I'm just here because I love you and I want to hold your hand. And I just, yeah. want, to, I just want to sit with you and be present with you. Um, that is so much more helpful to me. I know other people have different preferences um, mm-hmm. and different that's needs. True. But for me, that's been the most helpful thing um, is not people giving me resources or advice or telling me what I need to do differently. Um, but it's the people who say, can I just, can I just be present with you? Can yeah. I just sit with you? Um, that is profoundly helpful. Yeah. It's also been really helpful. So like in my depression, okay, I am an extrovert, like <laughs> extroverted extrovert, where I took the Myers-Briggs personality test um, and tested like 100% extrovert. It was the most extreme, Yikes! like, (laughs) I like people. Okay. (laughs) Um, But one tell for me when depression is getting bad is I feel more introverted and I withdraw more. And so what's really helpful for me is my safe friends, my closest friends who know me well, they start to pick up on when I'm canceling plans and backing away. And Mm. I have some friends who force me out of it. They say, okay, that's depression causing you to want to make that decision. Like we'll respect if you really need rest. Okay. We'll respect that. But I think this is depression making that decision for you right now. So I'm going to come pick you up and make you hang out anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, and I am so grateful for friends in my life who do that for me because sometimes the hardest thing is just getting out of the house. Like I want to be with people, but I don't have the energy or I feel like I'm in that straight jacket and can't get myself out um but to have a friend come pick me up and say or even if even if they just come over like okay we'll cancel plans too then and we'll just come sit with you in your house and we'll hang out there I feel so loved by that and that is profoundly helpful Mm. in the battle with depression so it's not about having the right thing to say but it's more just the people who show up and consistently keep showing up yeah. Um even when I start to push people away in my depression.
0: Yeah. That's good. Um Well, we gotta kinda bring this plane down, uh, to to land here in a little bit. Got a few minutes left. But um wondering, so we've kind of <clears throat> we, we you've shared some helpful things for those to consider who may be on the outside looking mm-hmm. in um as you know, ways to be unhelpful i uh, just right. kind of you know drawing <laughs> attention to that but then also you know ways to be helpful to rather to enter in to be present mm-hmm. um to not be quick to speak but or uh, er, er, yeah. Yeah. yeah slow to, to speak, speak quick to yep. listen <laughs> um ask good questions mm-hmm. um when appropriate cuz sometimes uh, even you know sometimes like you said someone just needs to just sit with you mm-hmm. and, and just and just be there, but, uh, but ask good questions. So what about, um, to, to those who may be listening, who may find themselves, um, a, you know, in these shoes right now, right. and maybe this has been going on for a while. Maybe this is something that's been, um, on set due to the, the onslaught of just, uh, again, these, right. these losses we've all kind of dealt with mm-hmm. and now. It's just, they they're in that kind of state. Um, yeah. What, what would you say to them as far yeah. as w- where to go um, right yeah. now?
1: I mean, first and foremost, I would just say, don't, again, don't try to do it alone. Yeah. Don't don't internalize, don't isolate. Um, that's exactly what depression wants you to do. It. it mm. uh, Joe Julian, one of our pastors, talks about depression like a self-feeding monster where mm. the very things that make it worse are the things that depression make you want to do. So like binging yeah. on Netflix, spending a lot of time alone, um, all of those things. Withdrawal, withdrawal, disconnect, disconnect. Right. Disconnect, yeah. Those und- those yeah. make depression worst, yeah. w- worse. So it's like a self-feeding monster where mm. um, you do have to take responsibility for it it's not someone else's responsibility to get you out um, to draw you out but I would say um, if you are struggling with that self-feeding monster trying to take over your life I would say um, invite people in Um, but with the nuancing of that like invite them in because you need that support but also it is your responsibility to fight this people can't fight and win this battle for you Um, But that being said, there are so many forms of support out there. Um, So for me, I go to a therapist. I see a therapist regularly, Um, even in the good seasons of depression, um, when I'm maybe not in a current episode of major depression, but it still kind of lingers. I still do occasional check-ins to just make sure where I'm at. And that's okay. Um, I would say... If this is something you relate to and you connect with, learn to embrace it. Um, this doesn't have to be, I don't know, I think we get we get guarded or defensive about weaknesses. But I think what really transformed my battle with depression is um, just as I'm, I'm learning to embrace my weakness. So Paul talks about, um, he boasts in his weaknesses and in insults and in persecution and difficulties and hardships, um, because that is where, um, he has learned to recognize the power of Christ. Mm. And, and so that I, I guess I kind of want to invite you in your own life. If this is your battle too, um, I want to invite you to see depression as a place where you can come to know the Lord's power. Yeah. Um, As I mean, there are still days where my pride hates this so much, but there are days when I still struggle to get out of bed, Mm -hmm. even being on medication, even seeking the support of a therapist, even being engaged in Christian community, having those friends support me in my daily life. um, I still have days that are hard to get out of bed, and I'm learning to embrace that weakness and look to God in those places. and and depend on him and lean on him in those places and so honestly so I mean Paul has talked about as well um, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take this thorn away for like I have this thorn in my side and I'm begging God to take it away from me but he said to me my grace is sufficient for you and I feel like that's been my experience with depression I have begged God to Mm. not just make it better but just to take it away like please don't make me battle this anymore Um, But as I'm learning, like, I I think this is just the thorn in my flesh. I think I'm probably going to battle this for the rest of my life. That doesn't mean my faith is weak or, you know, that's just, I think that's a thorn in my flesh. Um, But as I'm learning to embrace that, I'm learning to... View that as an opportunity for greater intimacy with the Lord, because I am so aware in those moments of depression. I am so aware of my weakness. Hmm. It's hard to even brush my teeth some days, you know, like being in that straight jacket, feeling like I I can't even function like a normal adult sometimes in those hard seasons those are the moments when I get to preach the gospel to myself and remember who my God is and what he's done for me and, and look to him to continue sustaining me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I th- I think you, you certainly answered and and thank you just again for your, your transparency and just willing to share your story with all of us. Uh, and again, we just want to reiterate for all of you who are listening, who may be in this place and maybe mm-hmm. this is a new place and you've just been kind of eyes open to, hey, I think this is a struggle, please, would you reach out? Mm -hmm. Um,
1: Even for specifically, if you are having suicidal thoughts right now, um, there's a National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. um, And I'm just going to read that phone number to you guys right now. So if as you're listening, um, I I want you to make that phone call if you need to. It's 1-800-273-8255. And Um, the people on the other end of that line, they will listen to you. They will, um, help evaluate, um, what are your current needs and they will, not only will they listen and offer you that insight of what's going on, like what, what is your current level of need right now, but they will directly point you to places that you need to go. So if you need to go to the hospital, they will tell you exactly which one is closest to you and where to go. So they make it super easy to figure out what do I do from here? Yeah. So if you are having those suicidal thoughts right now, please do not, do not sit in isolation in that. Do not try to figure it out on your own, but please reach out to the suicide helpline or reach out to a loved one, reach out to anyone, please. But just don't, you, you don't have to be alone in it. Amen.
0: Again, thank you, Brenda. We we're grateful Absolutely. for you. And, um, <laughs> Yeah, to all of you, we, we hope this has been helpful as you just continue to to seek to understand, just again, finding just uh, wonderful capital H hope like we yes. talk about in the midst of seemingly hopeless circumstances and mm-hmm. seasons and struggles. So God bless you all. We'll talk to you soon.